Hello, 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 and and welcome back to the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. This is season two, episode fifteen, and I'm and I'm this week's host, Jack. Um, I'm welcomed this week by Mr. Uh, Robbie Mansfield. Robbie, how are you, man? Good, Jack. Yourself? That sounds. Yeah, man. Good, good. Same old shit. Different week, you know. Not you know really much happening, but. Just, just really happy that the restrictions are being eased back. So now we got a bit more kind of rain around our uh, county. So, you know, that is something to look forward to. Yes, yeah, good. Nice bit of weather as well. So, you know, get the old guns out in the sun, you know. Sun's out, guns out, 100%. Yeah. And, and also this week, we are joined by Mr. Editor-in-Chief, uh, TJ Mills. TJ, what, uh, what's up, man? And not too bad, Jack. Um, yeah, good form. Can't complain. No limo this week, so I hopefully be in for an easy enough podcast. But in saying that, yeah. I'm kind of scared what's going to come. Um, I have a feeling you might have something hidden to attack me on, but uh, yeah, I, I try to be positive anyway. You just can say for Liam that uh, he's apologised he can't be on this episode, but he, as he put it, will be balls deep in a bottle of whiskey at this point in in his evening. So uh, hope he's having fun. I hope he's having fun too, man. Um, so I guess to uh, move on to the first topic, uh, we will chat a bit about the um, the European rugby. Uh, so last week we saw the quarterfinals. Um, and how they ended up was um, Toulouse and Bordeaux are in the first uh, draw of the semi-finals, and then Ron O'Gara's La Rochelle are facing Leinster. Now these are only a couple of weeks away, but um, how are you boys set for those? Did you enjoy the quarters, and how do you feel that these semis will go? Do you want to take it, Rob? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think like uh, it would be an interesting battle between uh, Raj and Leinster. I know, um, obviously, as a proud Munster man, he will be out to uh, beat Leinster. He'd be very, very happy if he can put one over on uh, the old enemy, as it were. I know it's there's not like a kind of a hate there. It's just kind of a rivalry. And it's definitely probably, you know, for his, his career, it will be like a big kind of moment if he can beat Leinster. You know, he kind of, he goes over to French rugby kind of builds himself up over there and then comes back and possibly beats Leinster, you know, so that kind of really, you know, would take, would make the kind of rugby world kind of sit up and kind of notice him. Uh, so, that I, you know, as a Leinster kind of man, you know, I, I wouldn't kind of, you know, if Raj was to win, it would kind of, you know, if he was to go and win it all, that'd be kind of still a good thing, you know, it would still be an Irish win. Um, sure. But I just think that, you know, Leinster are just, they're a really strong team and I, I think they're probably my favourites to win, to win it all. Um, that's how I would kind of see it, you know. Uh, but obviously the French guys are really strong having three in the semi-finals. But um, I think it's uh, with um, Saracens kind of, uh, <clears throat> after being kind of uh, relegated or whatever, and they're kind of, they're not up to kind of top form. And obviously they're, they're, they were beaten in the competition. So it's kind of, I think it's Leinster's to, to lose for now. TJ? Yeah, I'd agree with what Robbie said there. Um, watching the Leinster game last week, I mean, going 14-0 down, you'd be worrying, especially against English opposition. Um, but the way they bounced back, and I mean, they really finished in style. Um, 
I know the last try was ruled out, but I mean, even just the build up to it, it's kind of just showed the bit of a swagger is back in Leinster play. Um, like there may be an issue there. It could be too much made of Leinster versus Rog. I mean, that could kind of buy up the La Rochelle players. But um, yeah, no, I mean, once they're kind of, once Exeter are out of it, and I mean, they're a reigning champions, I think Leinster would be really, really hard to be beaten. Um, and they can only get better from there. So yeah, if they get over La Rochelle, I mean, I don't think anyone can stop them being honest. Yeah, true, true, true. Because obviously um, Toulouse and Bordeaux, they are two pretty strong sides. But I would assume Toulouse will take the victory. And obviously with Leicester versus La Rochelle, I was listening to an interview on off uh, the ball where they were chatting to Rona Gara. And they kind of brought up the same point of, you know, maybe not animosity, but was there kind of a you know, something more than just the two themes kind of being put it together. And he obviously shot that down straight away. It just said, you know, they obviously played against each other and then they and then they worked as a coach slash athlete back in uh, racing. So he said, you know, it is just what it is. You know, it's just his team versus, you know, their team and they're just going to go out and duke it out. But um, I'd say it would make for a great... Weekend of rugby, um, to, you know, he kind of has to say it though, Jack. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. He's not going to come out and say, "Yo, I'd love it. I'd love it if we beat them," because you know that is that's just kind of adding fuel to Leinster, you know. So the quieter he can be, and the more he can play it down, is is kind of really suiting him, you know. So yeah. maybe I think in the background he would definitely love to get one over on Leinster, and that's like like nothing like against him doing that because you know. Yeah. Obviously, he's a monster man, and you know, it would be a great moment for him to do that. You know, so um, yeah, I think he definitely behind <laughs> behind the scenes, he definitely wants to get this win. That's true, actually, because in the same interview, uh, he was saying that since their uh, match against Sale Sharks uh, last week, he was saying that uh, most of this week training hasn't been going that well. Um, now he didn't allude to you know any particular reasons as why but actually you know seeing as you brought up that point you know to maybe not you know add any fuel to the fire for the players to maybe you know can them down and then get them ready and you know peek into the semi-finals you know maybe actually yeah true maybe but I guess we just have to you know we 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 just have to take it as face value from there like but, um, <laughs> You're never, you're never going to get much, much out of Raj. I mean, I say, yeah. he, like, he's a hero of mine, I won't lie to you. And when it came down to kind of debate him and sex, and it was Raj for me all the way. But he must be absolutely a nightmare to interview. I mean, he has so much knowledge and everything, and he keeps cards yeah. so close to the chest. Um, one thing is terrible that Bordeaux are down to lose already. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a pun there. I think you missed that one, Jack. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. Nice. Can I just say yeah. about Ronan Nagara as well? Ronan Nagara as well. Like, if you ever listen to how he's portrayed on a uh, gift grub, yeah, it's always yeah. like, you know, yeah, I'm really excited there now. And like, he, like, he just, he won't show his emotion like to, to the public anyway. You know, Mario yeah, Rosen. Like, uh, sorry, Jack. 
I know I was just I was going to go off topic, but I was just going to say Goodbye. Mario Rosensocks a genius doing him. Like it's just if I actually must see if we could get Mario onto the podcast sometime, it'd be just um, it'd be one just thing that does like thing. shock me is that like you know he must put so much effort into those you know like uh, sketches and songs, and he just does it week after week. Like it's actually crazy, like what he produces, and it's just you know, just from, like, just from him, I would assume he must have some team of writers because, like, how can one guy do that himself? Like, But not to go off topic and drag it on, I know I dragged it off already, but, I mean, <laughs> it's just he's actually knowledgeable in what he's doing. I mean, an awful yeah. lot of, an awful lot of impersonators <clears throat> um, kind of just do it for the crack, but he actually puts a lot of, like if you're listening to the rugby previews, there's an awful lot of good information in the skit, like, and we're yeah. kind of blessed with great impersonators. I can't think of your man uh, that does the golf one. Connor sketches. Well, Connor sketches. Yeah, I mean he's just brilliant. Al Foran as well. We're we're kind of blessed that way. But sorry for dragging it off topic. Uh, no worries, man. Yeah, so we will leave it there uh, with the European rugby uh, semi-finals. But um, before we go on to the ladies' six nations, uh, some great news in terms of Munster, uh, well, and also Ireland. Uh, Simon Zebo is leaving France and he is coming back to Ireland. He is coming back to Munster. Um, obviously, that's great news. You know, um, it's well for Munster. It's it like will be a huge boost. Obviously, it's not going to dramatically raise the team standard and we'll be able to, you know, we'll say put up the Leinster an awful lot more. But it's definitely a huge boost in an awful lot of ways. But um TJ, do you think that like the three years in France did him justice? Or maybe was it time better spent if he was here back in Ireland? Um I think like Robbie will tell you, I'm after having this debate on the podcast a load of times. I think the treatment to Simon Zebo was shocking, being honest. Um he's still what he's 30, 31. Um so 31, still, yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of life left in the legs. To be left out in the lurch the way he was, um, I think it was shocking and there was something like not to drag it off topic, but there was a rule there for Jonathan Sexton. Should have been the same exception there for Simon Zebo, but anyway, I'll leave it at that. Uh, it just oh, seems yeah. to be the return of those Bebo and Zebo. So, um, uh, going back <laughs> to your question, it's yeah, I think he will add a lot. The like the trouble is, Munster are kind of in a rebuilding phase, they haven't been there yet. And the listening to an awful lot of the news there during the week is. It's kind of the unexpected play from Zebo. That's he brings that kind of swagger to the game that he can kind of pull off something that you wouldn't expect to be done. Kind of way. I, I'm hoping explaining that right. That he yeah, yeah. kind of doesn't go by the playbook. He can kind of an X factor exactly, and I think that's what's missing. And it's kind of missing from the Irish setup slightly as well. I mean, if you go back to not to go off, but if you're looking at, say, uh, Ron O'Gara when he was playing for Ireland, I mean, there were kicks that he used to do. I mean, that one over to Shane Horgan against 
uh, England in Croke Park at the time. It, that was off the cuff. Like, I mean, it's yeah. you need that kind of different vision there. And it, it, the worry I would have is I can't think of the player that's playing for Munster at the moment. Um, I think the worry is that they kind of go with the trade and trusted at the moment. And maybe they mightn't. Sebo mightn't get the fair chance that he would deserve kind of way because he was away for so long. And that's when you, you have a player that's kind of 31, even though he's still young and there's a lot of life left in the legs. It isn't like bringing in a young player. I mean, you can't sure. have the likes of Simon Zebo sitting on the bench for 60, 50, 60 minutes. I mean, if you're to get the benefit out from him, you have to start him. And that's the concern I have. I mean, I'm delighted he's back and I'm absolutely over the moon. But I think even with just a one-year contract, an awful lot of people are saying, yeah, that's the right way to do it. But it kind of just shows that it's kind of a short-term um, project for Munster. And I'd be worried that he may not get the fair shot, that he may be only kind of used as an impact player instead of starting. Yeah, no, true. Good point, good point. Like, um, you know, I definitely don't see any, like, thing wrong with some players you know, going off to other parts in the world, um, you know, going off getting experience because, you know, people can never have enough of that. And, um, you know, going off, to di- uh, going off to different places, working with different athletes and coaches, that, like that will only broaden your horizons and hopefully you know, just add to the skill set that a player, like, can have. And as well, like, over in France, like, the money, you know, the money is an awful lot better. Like, so definitely for players, even for themselves, like, they should definitely prosper over there. Because obviously, the likes of Dunnick or Ryan, he's been over there for a couple of years. And, you know, he's obviously a bit older. He probably doesn't have, you know, an awful uh, lot of many seasons left in him. So he may as well kind of make as much money as he can. Uh, you know, while he can. But um, but to bring it back to Zeeves, uh, Robbie, him coming back, do you think he'll be able to actually boost Ireland um, kind of heading back into the Rugby World Cup uh, prep? Um, do, like, you know, people are, you know, people are already talking about, you know, the World Cup and, and his name together. Do you think, you know, from his past, you know, say three years and maybe what can happen, do you think he'll be in the mix or is it kind of just too early to tell and people should just give him the, you know, year with Munster to, you know, grow? Yeah, well, like, the thing is, like, a lot of things can happen uh, in rugby, you know, over the course of a year, like, you know the way? So, and we do actually have quite good uh, depth at the wings, you know, Uh, so... Like it is going to be, it's a struggle for any player to uh, to make it, you know the way. So mm. I, I would agree and uh, disagree with TJ a little bit in the sense that it's great to have him back, and he is does bring that kind of X factor uh, and kind of you know those kind of unpredictable kind of things. But I think it would be kind of a good thing to have him kind of coming in and making that impact impact off the bench, um, and like especially for Ireland and Munster who can. Uh, become a little bit one-dimensional sometimes, yeah. so be able to bring bring him in, and you know if you're if you needed a try or you needed something, he's the exact type of guy that can come in 
uh, and do that. You know, I think probably for Munster, he'd probably be more in line to start. Um, especially if he only has one year contract, he's going to want to make an impact. He's going to want to get another contract as well. So, um, sure. yeah, I think it's great for Munster and great for Ireland. I, I, I really, really like him and I hope he does make it to the, you know, back into the Irish uh, setup and stuff. And just to go back to one thing that he said about, uh, like Jonathan Sexton was able to play for Ireland uh, while he was over in France as well. So, you know, if it is the rule, you need to apply it uh, consistently. And obviously it was kind of broken for Jonathan Sexton, who, who he was, you know, becoming a uh, world player of the year, you know, so it is a kind of a hard, he's a hard person to leave out and probably the only exception to that rule there will, will be. Maybe if Brian O'Driscoll had, had have left, uh, he would have got the same treatment. Um, yeah, but I suppose the rule itself, it does keep Irish rugby strong. So although I wouldn't agree with all facets of it, and it's probably not great for the players in terms of uh, finances and stuff, um, it's great for Irish rugby, you know? So <laughs> it is, yeah, it's, no, kind of, it's kind of a hard one to kind of, like the players have to make the individual choice. Will they go and, you know, earn a bit more money, make their life a bit more secure and which uh, Simon Zebo has done and, and Sexton has done and fair play to them for doing them. Cause you know, um, it probably took a lot of balls to do that. And, uh, you know, it's just a choice that the individual players had to make, you know? So, but overall it does keep Irish rugby strong. Uh, but hopefully uh, Zebo can come back and make a huge impact. And, uh, would really love to get see him in the Irish squad for World Cup as well. Just one yeah, quick true. point, Jack. Sorry, just Go before on, you move on. Um, the concern, <clears> like with the, regard to the Irish setup, is like Andy Farrell is there. He's trying to develop his own stamp on it. It's spot next year would be a year out from the World Cup. Would the worry yeah. be that he will try and press on with the younger players? Will he try and say like? If if you put yourself, say, in Andy Farrell's boots, would you want to go with a player that was there before or press on with a young player that you're after maybe been working with at that time for two years? And that's where I think the expectation at the moment, even though I was calling for him to be in Dyer's setup and I'd still love him to be in Dyer's setup, I'd still have a worry there that, I mean, will he go for youth players? I mean, will he go for a young player? Would you go for, say, a 32-year-old at that time, or sorry, a 33-year-old at that time over, say, a 24, 25-year-old? Yeah, it's tough. Like, um, you know, obviously, yeah, like that is a tough question, you know, because obviously at certain times in matches and in sometimes even of the year of us watching them, you know, you you like kind of want both, where you obviously want the like old reliable legends that that we've all come to love. You know, guys like uh, Zebo and you know uh, loads and loads more, and you want them to have those opportunities, and you want them to get as much time as they can, and to you know do whatever they want to do. But then also, you you know, we need to uh, push these uh, push these young players on the pitch and get them caps and get them starting because you know like you said we're a year out next year from the World Cup and you know people like Sexton have came out and said that he wants to be in contention to you know play then which I think is a goddamn disgrace but um, you know like we have to push some of these young heads um, to get more playing time because otherwise if you know, we're with our backs against the wall 
in certain games, we'll be putting players on the field who might have only had like five or 10 or 15 starts. And they're going against like France or they're going against New Zealand. And, you know, then I feel like we probably come into a bit of hassle then, do you think? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you in that, Jack. I mean, it's 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 a tough one. It's a real tough sure. one because, I mean, if Jonathan Sexton's there and, I mean, he's a great servant for Ireland and, I mean, we're on about before, you'd be concerned for his health. I mean, with the head injuries he's after having or, or say, HIAs he's after having and everything, like, there's not much more that a player can give. And, I mean, Retiring at say if he does return the next couple of years, he's still a very young man. I mean, he'd be only 36, 37. But yeah. I mean, like, for you have to be selfish in such a way as well. I mean, it was done on Ron Nogara. I mean, when the debate came up, say, with the when Johnson Sexton was coming on the scene, I mean, Ron Nogara was sitting warm on the bench. And no, I mean, you take a hurling perspective, everything Henry Shefflin won, he was still his final year. Sitting the bench on, on the bench until the. You final always have to make it that many. Come on, Jesus! <laughs> you always have to name drop. <laughs> okay, I don't get pick, started on the foreign row. I could pick Limerick players. I could pick Cork players. All of that. I know all joke. <laughs> but I mean know? that's. <laughs> but I mean that's that's the way it is. I mean <clears> that's where I would have the concern with Simon Zebo going into the Irish setup because I. I think Andy Farrell, to put his own stamp on it, will try and go for youth. And that's yeah, definitely. not to repeat myself again. I think so as well. I think so as well. But um, one other topic I just wanted to squeeze in be, um, be before we go on to the latest Six Nations is uh, here in Munster, Van Gran is facing a little bit of backlash. Um, so obviously CJ Standard and uh, Billy Holland are retiring at the end of the year. And so with um, so with uh, CJ leaving, um, there's obviously a bit of a vacancy uh, for that position. And he's after signing a new South African. Uh, his name is Jenkins. Now he's facing a bit of backlash for that. You know, to kind of, you know, in the sense of him outsourcing the job where there's so much youth, you know, obviously in the setup, guys like Tommy Ahern, you know, who's a fantastic young player. He's only maybe like 22 or 23. And, you know, people thought that maybe guys like him would have gotten the kind of tap on the shoulder to come up and take that, you know, responsibility. But he's kind of outsourced the job straight away. So kind of like talking about, what TJ was talking about earlier in, you know, in the sense of going for youth, Van Grand has kind of done the opposite and just thought that, you know, I'm not going to take a chance, maybe. I'm just going to go to a, you know, a bit more of a established player and put the burden on him. Um, Robbie, did, like, you know, maybe you might have taken much notice of that, but would you agree with the decision or, you know, would you have thought maybe differently? Yeah, I think like, you know, kind of based on, you know, a lot of the conversation we've had about kind of, you know, Zebo going to um to France and that he wasn't able to play for Ireland and this was for the betterment of uh, Irish rugby. You know, if we have kind of young players in certain positions, we should be kind of we shouldn't be getting in uh guys from overseas into these positions because just kind of it's stifling the development of the players, like you know the way. So yeah. um 
I know like a lot of times the kind of the coaches of the provinces, their hands are tied a lot with what they do, what they can do, you know what I mean? So I suppose when you have like a South African coach, he is going to try and bring in South African guys uh, to the set. Yeah. Uh, that's just what's going to happen. But like if we have, it should be a thing that if we have young players in that position, that there should we shouldn't be kind of um, getting imported players in and develop the players. Because this is what the whole, the whole provincial thing is to develop our own players, you know? So, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a good decision, especially if there's uh, players there waiting to kind of take up the mantle, you know, that are, you know, could play for Ireland in the future. Yeah, very true. TJ, do you, uh, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or, or yeah. are you all good? Yeah, not to drag on, drag it on, but um, yeah, I, I think it comes across as a coach under pressure when he's doing that. That he, yeah, he kind of doesn't have faith in the players. Like, it's a tricky one because if you put yourself in his position, like Munster didn't win a trophy in ten year or more, and yeah. I mean, you'd be kind of saying to yourself, well, if, in that situation, it's a bit like going going back to what I was saying about Andy Farrell you'd be saying to yourself progress to be made if you're kind of blooding young players and constantly blooding them in and to sign kind of someone in when you when you have your own players that just have to put a bit of work into it kind of comes across as a manager that's under pressure and I mean if you look at it um I can't think of it Pochettino with Tottenham I mean, he signed players. I mean, you look at Chelsea managers, not to go off topic, but I mean, people that spend a heap of money trying to fill a hole where they could kind of look within and save money and use the money wisely kind of way. It it kind of smells of a coach that's under pressure. And I mean, it's kind of going to damage his record. So I think he might have to be tapped on the shoulder and say, here, we're going to have to kind of rein you in and you're going to have to try and work with you coaches and try and develop and then feed them into the senior setup. Because like I was saying, they haven't won in 10 years and what did he do to kind of better it? So I think that's where, that's the job of the head coach. And it's the same with any coach, even in a club or whatever, they have to be kind of looking to have a system there that young players can kind of feed into the senior setup and kind of bringing in people from, like Robbie was saying, they kind of banned kind of Irish players that like Zazibo, all of that. It, it kind of doesn't smell right, being honest. Yeah, no, one, 100%, definitely. Um, so to move on from there, uh, we have the Ladies Six Nations. Um, so this week we have Scotland versus France, and we have Ireland. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Scotland versus Italy, and and Ireland versus France. Uh, so last week, um, you had England absolutely demolishing Italy. Uh, it was sixty-seven-three, and and Ireland faced Wales, and we dismantled them as well and it was a 45 nil which is just like heartbreaking to see a team like that not even get a point well you know that is that is fucking depressing that is but um so how um so robbie uh with um scotland versus italy like kind of like on the men's side italy are really up against it um 
you know, like how, like how do you think a team like that is even going to go into a game, you know, versus Scotland where, you know, do they think that they have a chance? What is the game plan? Or is it just go out there and have fun and, you know, maybe just whatever fucking happens, happens? Yeah, like uh, I think, you know, England are probably, I don't know, if not the best, the second best team in uh women's rugby, you know, so, and to get steamrolled by them isn't actually, you know, isn't actually like a really, really bad thing because they're, they are such a high quality t- team and they produce a lot of really, really good players, you know, so I think, you know, for Italy, they'll probably see like, obviously they'll, be, they'll probably be stung by the loss. Uh, so that like, and they're probably maybe a more, not as difficult uh, opposition now against in Scotland, but it probably still will be a tough game for them. So, but usually when a team gets hammered, uh, they kind of come back out and they kind of, you know, if they have any sort of stomach at all, they'll come out and they'll, they'll throw the kitchen sink at Scotland, you know, and hopefully they do because, um, you know, Italy, the men's team didn't win any games <clears throat> in the Six Nations or whatever. So if the, if the women's team can put in a really good performance, it might be a good thing to lift uh, Italian rugby. Yeah, true, true. Hopefully, hopefully. Um TJ, so with Ireland, um, so with Ireland versus France. Now I know it was last week. You know, people were kind of talking about whether the actual competition itself might be in jeopardy. You know, with with France and Ireland being added to uh, Ireland's mandatory um, mandatory quarantine list. Now I haven't heard or seen anything that really addresses that as much, you know, I mean, the the games are going ahead. So I guess that's obviously one good thing. But, um, but um, like, Ireland are off of the back of a really good performance. You know, um, I know Wales might be as strong now as they have been in a recent year's but the break over the last year seems to have done Ireland really well. So how do you think they are going into uh, this week's match with France? Yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff that's going on in the background. Wouldn't it be an ideal? Um, but like as a coaching staff, you'd be trying to keep the players away from that and you just concentrate that the game would be going ahead. Um, by listening to... Listening to the kind of the previews during the week and that Ireland are after having 20 collective training sessions. So, I mean, they're kind of used to kind of the uncertainty that's around at the moment. And I mean, the Irish team at the moment is full of young and experienced players. I mean, it's the perfect kind of way to have a team. Um, France, after doing what they've done, I mean, France, similar to England, they can kind of kind of wallop teams but I mean there's something different about this Irish side Um, like even if they don't do it this year I think a good performance tomorrow will kind of really be terrific for this side like I was saying um, I'm trying to think of the girl's name the Vevan Parsons I think are Fevin Parsons, yeah, I mean, she's only 16, 17. And I mean, the performance she put in last week, I mean, Hannah Turrell is um, out half. I mean, she was she was terrific. And that's that's only our second game there. So, I mean, having the game in Dunnybrook is going to be a big advantage. And 
I mean, if they can kind of bring the momentum that they had in the first half last week and get a good performance against France, I mean, they have absolutely nothing to fear. And I, I don't think any of the stracks, I don't think any of the talks during the week would have affected the players at all. Like it's very hard to hide players away from what goes on in the media, but it kind of wash off from like water or go off from like water off a duck's back. Yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, no, definitely a uh, definitely a uh, good um, weekend of a, a rugby there to um, look forward to for sure. Um, quickly, I guess, in some soccer news, um, obviously we have the Champions League this week. Do um, you boys want to touch on that shortly? Because mm-hmm. I'm definitely not the biggest soccer head here, so I feel like I'll probably do a disservice. So, uh, Robbie, do you want to maybe, I don't know, start talking about the Chelsea versus Real Madrid match? Yeah, um, I suppose like it's kind of like, if you look at the four teams that are left, it's kind of the four teams that kind of essentially have spent the most money in in soccer. And not, not to say that that's a guarantee of success, but, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it's everyone, like. It's every, everyone who's left in the competition is kind of, you know, a very... Uh, a club that spends a lot of money, so you kind of have to mention it. So PSG and Chelsea and Man City have uh, kind of billionaire owners and Real Madrid are kind of just this big, massive machine. You know, they've kind of been, you know, growing. They're, they've won the most Champions Leagues. And they, if you were to look at the, the wages of all of the squads of all these teams, you know, it's a, a crazy, crazy money. So it would make you wonder about... Um, maybe possibly financial fair play in soccer. Uh, like it doesn't, you know, like Man City, you know, anytime they get slapped with any sort of a ban or restriction, you know, they kind of, you know, it seems to go away quite quickly, you know. So it's, you know, they are really good teams and uh, they play really good football. And obviously it's nothing to do with the players, but it does kind of seem like, you know, like financial fair play, you know, you could question, is it actually working in in European soccer? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, TJ, do um, do you have anything to add on from that, or um, maybe about PSG or whatever? Yeah, no, I I'd agree with what Robbie said there. I mean, you you would have to question. I mean, the European sides outside the the Premier League. I mean, the the players they have are exceptional talents. They're unbelievable. But I mean, they have to be questions around financial fair play, as Robbie said. I mean, it's gone. It's gone unbelievable. I mean, like you just have to look at the wage Lionel Messi is on. I mean, it's it's more than some countries' national budgets. Like, I mean, it's Jeez. I mean it, it it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you're talking close to a hundred million, and I mean, you're looking at some state projects are are costing that, and I mean, you look, but not to drag it down too much, but. I, I like soccer, Liverpool fan, everyone knows, but I mean, some of the money is, is just shocking and I think it's taken away. And another aspect, just before we, uh, not to drag on before we go to the break, is VAR is absolutely ruining everything. I don't care what side it is. So, I mean, they have to try and rein in the, the financial aspect, that which will never happen. Robbie will tell you about NFL and it just seems to be going higher and higher. Well, I was, yeah, yeah, kind of say, kind of disagree with you there. I was actually going to make the point that, like, the NFL cap, like, there is kind of ways you can kind of manipulate it a little bit. But in general, the cap in in NFL is the cap. 
know, that's how much you have to pay your players. So, um, you know, it, it does seem to be followed like better than soccer anyway. You could have to say that. It's definitely like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely kind of nosh. Um, like Man City seem to be, you know, completely taking the piss with what they do. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely like in NFL, like you know, there's like it's the off season now and there's kind of huge talk about the cap. And, you know, you've got the New Orleans Saints who are trying to get rid of players so that they can sign players, you know, the way. So that's kind of because they can't, they can't sign any more players because they're maxed out on their cap, you know, the way. So, yeah, yeah I think in NFL, like, like there is kind of ways around contracts and all this sort of stuff, but it's way worse than soccer, I think, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no worries there, boys. Yeah, sure. Listen, we will head off for a cup of tea and, uh, and you know, uh, Jamie Dodger. We will be back soon after after uh, the break. Cheers, guys. Sounds cool, cool. good. Talk Check to you later. Ciao, boys. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Um, so, in the first half, we covered kind of the uh, main topics. So, moving on from there, we have the weekly roundup. Um, so, I will kick off there. Uh, so just a touch on some boxing. Uh, so last week um, we had Conor Ben. He was fighting a chap by the name of Vargas. Um, Conor Ben is the son of a boxing legend called um, Nigel Ben, who was a prolific fighter back in the um, 90s, kind of early um, 2000s. He actually had a very good... Um, kind of feud with um, Chris Eubank. Um, so, like, uh, his dad was an absolute warrior, complete soldier, hard as fucking nails. And uh, his son, uh, Connor, is just, is actually just like him. It's actually uncanny, really. Um, and he turned pro a couple of years ago. And uh, since then, he's been making his name for himself. And uh, he's doing, you know, everything really well. You know, he's taking kind of step ups every um kind of couple of months um you know fighting harder and harder uh, opponents and he just seems to be doing things you know really by um the book and uh this past week was another step up and he fucking annihilated him uh people thought it was kind of 50 50 people uh, were thinking that it might have been too much of a step up too quick um but uh, Connor Ben completely showed everyone wrong, and I think he knocked them out in like the, I think it might have been the second or uh, third round, just absolutely KO'd him. So that was pretty cool. Um, then kind of the crossover boxing slash MMA, the Jake Paul uh, versus Ben Arskin fight is actually happening at tomorrow night. So have any of you two lads heard of this? I just know that your man Jake Paul likes to kind of waffle and say what he's going to do, but he's just got a social media guy now, or? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so he's like a huge YouTuber. Um, obviously, his brother, I think his brother's name is Logan Paul, he was one of like the OG YouTubers, like maybe we'll say like five or six years ago, you know, uh, he was a really big deal and he's a huge social media following and then he followed in his brother's footsteps. Uh, so like they had millions of followers. Um, like you know, they come across as really annoying assholes. You know that they would suck their own cock if you know they actually could. Like <laughs> they are that kind of people. Like 
They've tried. Um, yeah. Um, but he's been looking to fight. Um, or will, He's looking to box uh, MMA fighters. Just for huge, big money fights, really. Um, so this guy, Ben Askren, uh, he was a, he was a huge wrestler back in the day. He actually went to the Olympics for uh, America. I think it was maybe four years ago. Um, so he had a great career there. Decided to move to MMA, um, and he hasn't been fighting there that long until he uh, decided to take uh, Jake Paul up on his offer and boxing. So they've been training for the last maybe like twelve weeks, and the fight's actually happening tomorrow night. So like, there's a huge kind of just spectacle really because that's all this is this this is not a you know professional kind of thing this is you know this is a fucking circus like but it will be a boxing sort of thing oh man even like kind of the same but but you know kind of different because even in the sense where conor mcgregor and uh floyd mayweather obviously they're two elite athletes Ben Askren, obviously, he is a great athlete in one respect, but he's never boxed in his entire life. So he's been training for the last 10 weeks. And this for the Jake Paul, like, he's just a fucking YouTuber. Like. Um, so it would have been really mangled. Oh, hopefully. Because, you know, people have said that if he does knock him out, you know, he'll be hailed in extremely high regard. So hopefully that happens. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And then to move on to some other MMA news, uh, Rob A. Rob Whitaker, uh, who was a former uh, U, uh, was a former UFC champion, he is fighting at the weekend with a, with a guy called Kevin Gastelum. Um, so if so if Rob Whitaker wins this, he'll get another chance at the title. So hopefully he'll be able to do that. And then to wrap up myself, uh, the Formula One is on at the weekend. It's round two of uh, the season. It's in Italy on a track called uh, on a track called Imola. Uh, this is a really famous track. This is where um, a absolute F1 legend actually died. Uh, his name is Ar- um, Arton Senna. Um, so they are going back to Italy uh, for the first time in a couple of years. And Lewis Hamilton, uh, on his last season, he is leading uh, from the last race. Um, he's going for his eighth. Uh, world title, which will uh, be a record, and it's just crazy to think that you know someone has like eight world titles. Yeah, but, it's fair play to yeah, it's fucking crazy, really. So, Robbie, have you any news yourself? Uh, well, just kind of uh, I, as people probably know, I, I uh, kind of quite into the NFL over the last uh, little while, so just kind of uh, keeping you know keeping in touch with that. So, the draft is coming up, so we're going to. You know, all the crap teams are going to get the best players and it kind of goes in order. Uh, so the kind of the team that won the championship will get the kind of the 32, 32nd best player and the team that finished uh, last will get the first best player. So the kind of intriguing thing about it is that um, because Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay last year and then he went on to win a Super Bowl, a lot of other quarterbacks and a lot of other teams are saying, hey, maybe if we move, if I move to a different uh, franchise or maybe a franchise might be thinking, maybe if I get this guy in to play quarterback or if I can recruit the right guy through the college um, draft, then we can kind of go on and win the Super Bowl. So it's kind of a bit of a musical chairs with um, the quarterbacks, who's going to go where, who's going to get traded, who's going to draft who. So, you know, it's probably boring to a lot of people, but I find it really interesting. So um, yeah. if, you, if, you're, if you're kind of 
interested in kind of uh, keeping tabs on American sports, uh, you can watch uh, First Things First on YouTube and you can watch Undisputed uh, on YouTube. It's like uh, Fox Sports 1, I think, in the US, but you can catch it on YouTube here, uh, Undisputed and First Things First. For anything kind of uh, American sports, but I just watch the NFL stuff really, so. So just um, one question. So, so has that the way the draft has always worked? Is best team the most clear? Uh, yeah, well, like there's a few different rounds of the draft, if you know what I mean. So, say Tampa yeah. Bay, they'll get the 32nd best pick, and then they'll, they'll get the 64th uh, best pick, and then so on into the third and fourth and fifth and whatever round. Oh, okay. But what can happen as well, you can get teams that will trade picks. So, um, I think the San Francisco 49ers, who were a good team, they traded they traded their next three first round picks <laughs> for the first round pick of uh, one of the teams this year because they're looking to get a new quarterback. So that's what can happen as well. People can trade players, they can trade picks and all yeah, this sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, so but in the broad scheme of thing, it kind of balances out because even though you might be gaining, you're kind of losing on the other end, you know the way. So yeah, in that sure. way, it kind of can work out a bit fairer than soccer. Then in soccer, like teams can like, you know, uh, hire a lot of players uh, in a lot of different positions where, you know, in NFL, you have to trade people and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure if it's always the way it's worked, but um, I think it's a really it's a really good system because the worst team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are going to get uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's like meant to be the next best thing uh, at quarterback. So that will be really interesting to see how that works out. Sounds good, man. Eh? Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. TJ, you got anything for us? Yeah, I did, and then I got distracted watching a cat get neutered on television. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough. <okay. laughs> I suppose the I NFL stuff wasn't that gripping for you, TJ. <laughs> I was just uh, sorry I tuned out there. I was actually feeling sorry for the cat. I was just thinking, taking away my manhood. Great. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What uh, God. Anyway, that's some that's some tangent you brought us on there. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> before we going too much of a tangent uh yeah it was um one my pick for this week for sporting week would be the performance of shane lowry in the mexico championship the arnold palmer invitational uh he was one under today now this being recorded on friday so uh just in case i jinx shane lowry i'm not taking any responsibility uh, but yeah, he's really, really going well there. He's um, tied for eight as it is, uh, seven under par. So he had a round of six under today. And that's following on a good performance in the Masters last week. So I think that's a real good one. I mean, he seems to be the real up and coming uh, golfer there. And since his Irish Open win the time and then win the British Open as well. Uh, just one thing when Jack was on about Formula One as well, this is a couple of weeks old at the moment now when I heard it. But uh, did you know, Jack, there's a leash man heavily involved with a Red Bull driver in Formula One? Um, I have heard stuff about it, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. Yeah, there's uh, Patrick Harden. Um, he's working with Alex Albon in the Red Bull uh, with uh, the Red Bull driver there. So yeah, no fair play. It's great having a an Irish person and especially someone so close. We I know we have a lot of Leash listeners on the podcast. So yeah, it's great having um someone like that involved. Um, going back to other pick is yeah, the cat seems to be after recovering anyway. So uh, that's good news. <laughs> fair enough. Poor cat, man. Jesus. 
No cats were harmed in the making of this podcast. Just want to clarify that to everybody. Meow. Yeah. Meow. All right, perfect, boys. Uh, moving on, so to bad dad jokes. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Tension is rising. Um, <laughs> so, so how about two um, picks each? And then after we can put a poll up and see who takes the title this week. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, no, he's no, obviously no. gunning for this. Uh, no, 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 no. The last poll was rigged. So no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> definitely not, no. I think oh, we maybe the... let Liam call her or something. Liam can listen back and he can call her. He's a neutral yeah. party here. I know. I'm only joking. Put it, put it up on Instagram. Fair play to Liam. I'm only ripping the piss. TJ's after adding like <laughs> 10 fake accounts there. He's going <laughs> to... Yeah. I'm going to be watching who's voting in this one. I'm going to be watching who's voting, TJ. Oh, Any suspicious yeah. people with like two the... followers. They didn't work the last time anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, will I go uh, first myself? Yeah, yeah crack on. No, definitely. Okay, so first one. Uh, warning, this joke is 18 plus. 19. Oh, for 19. our younger listeners. Yeah, 19. Switch off for the podcast. Yeah, 19, baby. <laughs> that's it, like 19. 19? Yeah, that's it. it yeah, it is 18 plus. <laughs> 19. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just went over my head there. I was like, why is he saying 19? Tell, yeah. <laughs> There's another cat getting neutered here, lads. I hear. Will you turn off the TV? Will video? you turn off that fucking TV? Will you? Go on, Robbie. Hit me. Okay. Okay. So, this one, you know, maybe it's a bit educational as well. Um, so... <laughs> It's not that educational. Um, so what is the um, what do a puppy and a nearsighted gynecologist have in common? A wet nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's way better than mine. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, TJ, you go, man. Uh, how do you follow Will Smith in the snow? Oh. You follow the fresh prince. Oh, Wait. I like that one. I like that one. That's actually very good. Um, was it my second one? Is when I get naked in the bathroom, the shower gets turned on. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I like it. Definitely not the best, but it's all right. That's a good one. Robbie, man, what you got for me again? Okay, so. Uh, did I ever tell you what my grandfather said to me before he kicked the bookish? What? Watch and I kick this bookish. <laughs> okay. That, that, yeah, listen, those are way better than mine. You, know. <laughs> I'm you need to get good book. sources. Good sources, man. That's what you need. Yeah, you need good sources. TJ? <laughs> uh, the cat's after, another cat after recovering there. but uh... What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> uh, did you hear the rumor about butter? What? Well, I'm not going to spread it. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. I like it. That's a good Still one. I... Yeah, sure. We will put up a poll. Um, I can guess who will probably win that. But, <laughs> you know, we will leave it up to the listeners. Not TJ. Definitely not me. Derek and, uh, yeah, de- and uh, definitely not TJ. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it up anyway. we we'll see what happens. Yeah, Drew. Um, 
Okay, so moving on from there, a topic that was put into our group there not too long ago was uh, Scrabble removed 400 words from there, we call it like dictionary or maybe um, kind of scorebook. Scorebook. Um, but the uh, one that took our attention was um, the word culture was taken out. Now, I don't know where the people who make Scrabble are from, probably like somewhere in the UK or somewhere or what. But, you know, where I'm from, culture is a word and culture is a way of life, I guess. So, yeah, culture lives matter. Um, like, uh, I feel like culture is a completely, like, you know, normal used word. Um, like, you know, I've heard it all of my life. So, like, you know, maybe it's different in your part of the country, but, you know, I would imagine it is pretty similar. Like Robbie, do like people call people cultures in um, Kilkenny or what? Yeah, I think um, I like it depends on like geographically where you where you are. I would say if you you know if you live and you can see the River Liffey and you're living by the Keys in Dublin, no one can call you a culture. But as you move further away from there, as you spread out further from there, um. So say people from the inner city of Dublin would call maybe the people from, you know, maybe the more countryside of Dublin, coaches. And then like everyone progressively outside of Dublin is even more of a coach, you know. So I think these guys were saying about townies or whatever. So you could have someone who's from like uh, Kilkenny and you could call them a townie because they live in uh, the city or whatever. But they're still coaches to those people who live in inner city of Dublin, if you get me. So, but I don't think it's ever used like, you know, maliciously or as like, you know, a slagging sort of thing, like in a, in a harsh way, it's more of like a fun thing. I would think anyway, it's never used like, you know, to hurt somebody. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. True. Cause I mean, whenever I would have heard it, it uh, you know, we'll say maybe even back in kind of your uh, school days. And uh, if like there were people from, you know, more like uh, urban areas and they were just referring to people, you know, who lived in the country, I guess they could just slag them, but maybe in, you know, just a fun way, just, you know, would call them coaches. But I guess, like, you know, um, it does refer to, like, a huge, uh, like, demographic of people. Uh, what do you think yourself, TJ? I think it's an absolute load of bullshit. I won't lie Jesus. to you. Um, Tell what... us what you really think. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's just hogwash. I mean... Like it, it, it's half of the banter in Crow Park being called a culture. Like it's as simple as that. I mean, we're gone OTT completely. I mean, there's we're just becoming a snowflake generation that someone says bootia. I mean, like I was listening on the radio today. They're bringing in hate speech legislation, um, and I agree completely. No one should, no one should feel offended by anything. Um, anyone it's more that, to that's more if it's a crime like say if you beat someone up for because of you know their sexual orientation or oh, the color definitely. Of oh no I like, just think... saying, like if you like you know I'm not sure like it's, it's more for like if you have committed a crime and it was aggravated by hate oh you know definitely I mean. oh no sorry I oh, know I I'd agree completely I think it's completely warranted and I'm delighted it's been brought in but what I meant is there are actually a discussion around it. There's kind of a gray area that some experts were on about that if you had a disagreement with someone, say we had a disagreement on this podcast, 
which never are happens. They, <laughs> never. Are they are they a way that you can go to the guards and say, "Here, we, I was, if uh, I was affected by hate speech." I mean, we're kind of straying away from from what it actually should be for. Racism shouldn't be allowed. Discrimination shouldn't be allowed, no matter what gender, sexual orientation, whatever. Now, going back to the likes of Scrabble, I mean, there was a thing Mr. Potato Head couldn't be called Mr. Potato Head anymore. It's been changed. Yeah, I know, definitely. And I, I'd agree, they should be parody. Every, everyone should be equal. And I'm not going on a complete a kind of rights and wrongs here. But, I mean, for board game to remove culture when the people i'm a culture anyone grew up in the cult, uh, country are known and always went and even slagged themselves as cultures like and for someone to get offended by it i mean i think there's worse things going on like i mean it's gone to the stage that um like i was saying mr potato head um uh, do you know the book is it mr men and little miss kind of thing there's yokes around that and their words have to be removed from books or different things i mean like it's it's even like you know taking the knee in the in the premier league for black lives matter black life matter is a, a real serious thing and i'm not going to go into it but some of the players that could be affected by it are kind of saying to themselves are kind of saying now this is this has gone too far like we're kind of straying away from what it actually should be about and i'm going to leave it there because it's a complete gray area but what i'm saying is we seem to be just getting too offended by everything i mean terms that were around for years and years it's just like i i just don't know what where we're going to end like I genuinely don't. Do you think, TJ, it's kind of like, you know, the the keyboard warrior sort of generation that it's like, you know, oh, someone has used a certain word. uh, So then, you know, and they kind of hop on the kind of the wagon to get things kind of banned. And like, obviously, you know, there's, there is a line there of, you know, in terms of like uh, being discriminatory towards people. But in general, most kind of things are kind of said and kind of banter and kind of slagging and, you know, yeah. That sort of stuff. And, and even with humor as well, if, if there's kind of humor in something, then it kind of has a totally different kind of meaning as well, you know? Oh, definitely. I mean, there are people that say things that are completely offensive and should be called up on them. But there are an awful lot of people. I mean, if you look at it, and I'm not defending politicians at all, but I mean, if you look at Twitter every day, I mean, there's people being put up there. And I mean, they're ordinary individuals. I mean, there's a soccer player we're on about of what's um, the kicker for Ireland. Um, in was it the France, uh, French, or the Wales match? I mean, oh yeah, uh, burn it. Uh, I can't take burn it. yeah. But I mean, that that was shocking. What was going on? I mean, that's complete hate speech. I mean, that's complete. I mean, taking on an ordinary person. I mean, he has family and all of that, and. I mean, to bring that into the same context of a word in a board game, I mean, it's our words being removed from dictionaries and all of that. I mean, we're kind of straying away. And some of the people that could be up in arms about it could be kind of causing harm on others. I mean, you're on about keyboard warriors. I mean, Twitter is a minefield. I mean, when I was 
involved with an organization um i put up i like i used to do articles and all of that and i i got offensive text messages because i got the name of a certain place wrong or whatever and i mean there was a story of um the journalist that writes um do you know ross o'carroll kelly i mean he was on radio a few weeks ago and he was on about when he started off journalism first he was reporting on rugby and he got the name of a f- try scorer wrong and he got a solicitor's letter. Jesus Christ. So, I mean, this is, and I know it, it, it's a funny topic and all of that. And I honestly, for the listeners and yourselves, I don't mean to be going on a rant, but I, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know where it's going to end. I genuinely don't. I think we're going to become a society that you'd be scared to talk to someone passing them on the street in case you offend them. And that's that's where I think we're going, being honest. All right, then, damn. I mean, I did not, I did not see uh, this topic. Uh, going, <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. No, don't, do not apologize, because it was definitely a good argument, one hundred percent, and I definitely back it. I just, I just didn't expect that. But damn. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to say? I'm going back to watching cats being neutered here. <laughs> oh God. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> I do just find that so funny. But um, but uh, but um, going on from there anyway. Uh, normally now we would have Liam's rant, but um, sadly Liam is unavailable <laughs> today. Um, so I'm going to try and pass the bucket to Robbie. Robbie said he had something that was uh, grinding his gears today. So, you know, I feel like it's one of those times where we should give the person some, you know, time to air it out. Yeah. So uh, my main kind of gripe is uh, people don't indicate. Like when you're driving, that can be a roundabout or it could be coming up to a turn or, you know, indicating at the very last second. And, you know, I have uttered some, you know, probably offensive language. Uh, at at people uh, in my own car, so probably they can't hear it. But you know, I've said a lot of uh, bad words about people that don't indicate, and it's usually uh, in the fucking case uh, or something like that, or just you know, I, I just get into the habit of just doing it anyway. Even if I'm kind of you know just turning into my house and there's no one else on the road, I'm indicating anyway just in case, you know. So it can be the, the difference between you know something you know something small like accident happening and a big accident happening by just kind of throwing on your indicator. So. You know, I definitely think there should be like, you know, I know cameras at an intersection or something to stop people from like taking the piss because some people could cause like a really big accident, basically. So, yeah, no, definitely like um, that like kind of spawns onto one thing that, you know, I've started doing more lately is um, like I think I'd be overall uh, pretty, you know, kind of uh, kind of calm guy. Um. But, like, sometimes driving around, like, I do get so angry just coming across, yeah, drivers, you know, typically who can't indicate or will say if someone's in, like, a roundabout and they're on the inside lane and then they just, then they just tear out onto, we'll say, like, the first or second exit and they just, like, cut across a line, uh, a, like, line of traffic or else maybe the opposite, they're on the outside lane and then they just keep going around and around and then they just, you know, cause, like, a, a backlog. And like one thing I've gotten into the habit of lately, and I genuinely love it, is just using my horn. Because, you know... <laughs> You're a blow. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Because, you know, when you start driving and stuff, and it's kind of, 
because it's so loud, you know, you you kind of stay away from it. But like in the recent, maybe like last year, like I have just got no problem just blowing some fucker out of it. Like, and it makes me feel good anyway. And uh, I feel like it kind of helps the situation. Probably doesn't, but you know, to it's me, probably better <laughs> for the person, probably for the, the better for the other person that you don't, that you do blow the horn and you don't get out of the car and just rip their car in half because you probably could do it, Jack. I, you know, maybe not that far because <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, because then the guards are involved, like, but yeah, like I definitely feel you should, you actually should do it like sometimes because people would at least know they are doing something wrong, you know, like, uh, call it constructive criticism, like, but, uh, you know, I do feel like I like do feel people should like not demonize using a horn because, you know, when you hear people honk horns, you always feel like it's something bad, but maybe sometimes it's just like a gentle, you know, nudge to just be like, you know, here you're doing that wrong, or you know, or maybe you're at like a set of traffic lights and the lights been green for a while, and you just hunt to just let someone know that's it. It's not always, you know, fuck you, motherfucker. But in my case, it is. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I do feel people should, you know, uh, you know, probably do it more. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. TJ, do you think something similar, or do you think, or you know, are you still watching cats get neutered? No, yeah, no, I'm kind of embarrassed after my last rant there. I, I don't like ranting, I won't lie to you, but what what really gets under my skin is, you know, people on wrong lane in a roundabout. Oh, I uh, fucking hate it. The, there's a roundabout in Kilkenny. Um, it's the Dublin Road roundabout. Now, just in case anyone says, I don't think it's, it, people say that mightn't be the reason around it, but they had to do two lanes going into it because people were just using the wrong lane. I mean, they're using the outside lane to go straight on where the, or sorry, the right hand lane to go straight on where that's to turn right. So they had to yeah. put in. And I just think the level of driving, um, people just seem to speed up at roundabouts. Now, I know a part of the driving test is, you know, progress. You have to kind of keep a certain level of momentum and all of that. But I mean, I'd agree with Robbie indicators, but roundabouts really get under my skin. Um and no wonder there's so many accidents and yeah i know before i go off completely um <laughs> yeah i leave it at that yeah like i feel like it's one of those things where um you know like you know like some people definitely have to um like re-brush up their knowledge on like uh, rules of the road because, you know, like once people start driving for any length of time, now I'm not saying this is everyone, like obviously this is a short minority of people, but like some people, yeah, like just, I mean, the second they get their license, like they just, they they just throw the rules of the road away and just drive whatever way that they just want to. And yeah, like, I mean, between not, like not being in the right lane and, you know, like not using indicators and, you know, driving too fast in some areas and then maybe too slow in others, like it's just, you know, there's a way to do things and just go along with it, like, because you're just one person on the line of, like, hundreds of others. I'd say it's mostly coaches who do this, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely those damn coaches, man. The damn coaches. <laughs> Especially the ones driving in Dublin for the first time. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, that's a big day out, that is. 
That was a big deal. <laughs> you need you need a D-Reg car. That's all I say. You get away if you have a D-Reg car, but if you You have wouldn't it, have the Kilkenny flags flying at the back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I know, not the first time anyway. I know I, I drove around Dublin a good bit, so I'm well used to it now, but yeah, you'd be able to spot the cars that are not used to driving around Dublin, all right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so moving on from there, we have the picks of the week. Um, I will start off first. Um, so my pick of the week this week was um, I I actually went back and I started watching the, um, the uh, Sopranos. Um, like I watched that first years ago, you know, maybe like five or six years ago. And... I just saw a clip on YouTube, you know, there a couple of weeks ago, and it's just been in my head since. So I just said I'd go on Sky, and uh, they have it on Sky box sets, so you can just download it and watch it. And uh, I think I've gone through the first season, and I'm halfway through season two, and like it is just fucking so good, such a good show. I think it's a really good show as well. I just think it's a, it's a bit of a long slog. Yeah, I mean? yeah, definitely, yeah. Because what is it? Is it like six seasons? Or is it more? And there's like 24 episodes a season and it's like an hour an episode. So, you know, like it is, you know, <laughs> it's not like something you can kind of bang out like that. Well, definitely not, yeah. Because, you know, it definitely isn't easy watching. It is, you know, you know, because it's such a gritty drama, like it can like take from you, like because it's so intense sometimes. But, um, but uh, TJ, do you have a pick of the week yourself? Yeah, no, just on the Sopranos there, what I, I didn't realise when I was watching it at the time is, you know, Steve Van Zanet out of the E Street Band plays with Bruce yeah. Springsteen. He's yeah, deadly right. in it. Like, I know, I, I love Bruce Springsteen, E Street Band. But uh, yeah, my picks this week is um, just on about music there. It'd be a song Robert Gray, or sorry, Robert Grace from Greg the Man and Kilkenny brought out. Um, he brought out Fake Fine last year. Big, be a big fan of Robert Grace. But he's after bringing out, a, it was on TikTok, and he made a song around a frog sound. And um, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I'm trying to find the name, or No Hope is the name for the frog song. Um, it's cool. brilliant and well worth checking out. Robert Grace is a real up-and-coming star, and I think he'd be... Uh, up there, thereabouts with Dermot Kennedy in a year or two. And the second one, this is just shows my cheesy music taste. Um, I kind of be a closet fan of the Eurovision. <laughs> I won't lie to you. So I watched, uh, do you know the film Euro Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga yes. on Netflix? It's actually deadly. Um, and Will Ferrell's in it. So any Will Ferrell movie is brilliant. And Stephanie, you're sure. checking out. Robbie, do you have a pick of the week yourself? Uh, yeah, just one. Uh, so it's a uh, bad education. It's a comedy series on Netflix. It's uh, Jack Whitehall, and he's basically he's a teacher, but he is a terrible teacher, <laughs> and he has his class and like he's just a real like he's a real kind of cringy. He just fucks up everything. Nothing goes right for him, and he's like he's not a nice person either. He's just like a real piece of crap. You know what I mean? But he's just. He just it kind of like with in Always Sunny that they're like they're really horrible people and they do horrible things and horrible things happen to them. So he is exactly that you know completely cringy character and like sometimes you just watch him through your putting your hands over your your eyes and trying to watch it that way you know. So oh, it's a really quality yeah. show and um, 
just some great kind of side characters in it as well. And the students are funny and the rest of the teachers. And yeah, it's just a, it's a great show altogether. Okay, so we literally have a couple of minutes left. So so I'm going to throw the highball in and um, we will get through this nice and fast. Um, so boys, who are you laughing longer with? One minute with Mike Tyson or Mia Khalifa? TJ, do you know who Mia Khalifa is? <laughs> what the listeners don't know is we had a conversation off air before this, and that's why I I sense I was going to get a fair feckin' slagging. I yeah. haven't a clue who she is. I had to Google her, and Bullshit. I still don't know. <laughs> so <Bullshit. laughs> So going back to your question is, I'd rather, and I won't even go to pronounce her name, um, I'd rather her whispering in my ear than Mike Tyson anyway. Ah, uh, good man. Because it'd be a bit like a Big Mac, i say, if um, it was someone else. Nice. Sure, man, sure. No worries. Robbie? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to uh, go for Mike Tyson here. Uh just, um, just you know, it's kind of the logical choice for me uh, being in a long-term relationship. So I'm going to go for uh, Mike Tyson, even though, <laughs> yeah, even though no, he's going to, he's going to like, he's going to turn my brains to mush. But uh, you know, that's commitment for you. Do you know? No, I actually, I have to bring in. Do you know sound effects here because uh, that's the real <laughs> kind of whip sound, is it? Or... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yes, he doesn't really sound effects. This is not really uh, like. I, I know, oh, I'm, joking, really Rob, words, I'm like. joking. I'm joking, Robbie. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, no. I can, I can take the, I can appreciate the joke, but like, it's hardly, you know. I know, I'd agree completely. Yeah. I know, I'm only yeah, ripping the face. smart car, too. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Well, Jack, who are you going for? Ah, oh, damn, I thought I'd get away with that. Um, quickly, quickly. Um, yeah, no, first of all, I am pretty similar because uh, my girlfriend probably will listen to this, so I definitely can't pick Mia, Mia um, Khalifa, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Mike Tyson, like, I <laughs> genuinely love that guy, and I think it would be just so cool to say you got knocked out by Mike Tyson, like, he would <laughs> fucking destroy anyone, so I think if I could last Jesus, 30 seconds with him. Like, I would run away from him. So I guess it just depends on how long it takes him to catch me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that'd be a pretty cool thing to say in a bar, to say that you went toe-to-toe with Mike Tyson. No, it would definitely be cool to say you went toe-to-toe with, um, with uh, Mia Khalifa too. But I guess it just depends on, you know, who you're having the conversation with. But I'll go with Mike Tyson. Uh, being the only single one here and doing a good bit of research here yeah. when we were talking, yeah, I'd, I'd go against <laughs> oh, you. Are, yeah. that's, that's why uh, your break was so long. <laughs> I, say, I say I'd last about 10 seconds because after being a long lockdown, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blame <laughs> the lockdown. Blame the lockdown. Good lad, good lad. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right, boys. That's it. So I guess for um, uh, this week, Decent pod, happy now with everything. Um, do you have a- anything else you want to throw in? Yeah, just one small thing to Liam. Uh, suck it. Uh, we've enjoyed ourselves, so it doesn't matter how long the podcast was. We're going to get some bargain off of <laughs> But um, yeah, boys, perfect. We will leave it there and uh, we will chat to you listeners again next week. Take, uh, take it easy, guys. Thanks. Take so it Good luck. Good luck. Bye bye bye. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.